0: We at Crypt of Knowledge are acutely aware of the situation with Wizards of the Coast and the Open Game License. As creators ourselves, we stand firmly in the corner of all third-party creators on this matter. The OGL was created to help foster the game and has improved its reach innumerably. The current response from Wizards has been lackluster, and we will not stop fighting for the rights of those who earn their living helping this game grow. When you say the word wizard... Everyone thinks of Harry Potter, Merlin, or Gandalf. But what does it mean to play a spellcaster in D&D? Hint, it's more than fireballs and Eldritch Blasts. Well, most of the time it is anyway. We'll take a look at what a real spellcaster is in D&D, the different types of spellcasters available, and the wide range of builds possible on this episode of Crypt of Knowledge. Welcome back to another episode of the Crypt of Knowledge. I am your host, Goose, and as always, I have with me Blake. How are you doing, buddy? I'm doing very well, Goose. How are you this evening? I am fantastic. It's a weekend. It's actually not cold right now, which is fantastic <laughs> for the end of December. So, Yeah, it's nice out right now. Yeah. What could be better? Except talking about D&D.
1: Uh, I, not much. Yeah,
0: and luckily that's what we're here to do today, right? <laughs> we
1: got the best of both worlds right here.
0: There you go. So today we're going to be talking about spellcasters. It is a interesting topic, I think, for us to kind of break it down the way we're going to and talk about how spellcasters differ in the different classes and how they differ from the marshals. And so we'll, we'll have a little bit of a, um, a different conversation, I think, than a lot of people do when they talk about spellcasters.
1: Yeah, I think so. It's one of those things that presents itself as pretty straightforward or like, oh, well, I know what a a mage is. I know what a spellcaster is, magic user. But oftentimes when we have new people join a game or maybe it's their first time playing something along those lines, we tend to shy away from having them play spellcasters unless they're really set on it, which is totally fine if they decide to. But it can be complicated for a first-time player.
0: It can. And... Yeah, everybody thinks of you know, Harry Potter when you talk about a spellcaster. Everybody knows what magic is and how you do it. But it is different in D&D, the way they break it down and the, the way the different classes can handle it and the different builds you can have. There's just a plethora of them. We'll talk about a few. And we'll also talk about, as we go through them, we're going to talk about them ranked on what we think are the easiest to the hardest to play as a spellcasting class. Oh, yeah, that'll be interesting. I wonder if our... Uh... If our lists are the same. <laughs> it could be. Maybe not, but I, I feel pretty confident we're on the same page with it mostly. Oh, we usually are. <laughs> so let's just start with talking about what is a spellcaster for those that might not know what it is. So a spellcaster is, like we've said, it's a
1: magic user. They have a set number of known spells that they have access to with a limited number of times that they can cast those spells each day. And that's the broad view, but yet it gets so complicated because every class handles that
0: differently. It's, that's what makes it difficult.
1: You're right on about that, because one of the biggest things that, that irks me about the way spellcasters differ is that they do all have a set number of spells that they cast every day. But some of them have a very set, strict set of spells, and, and some can just choose willy-nilly. <laughs>
0: Yeah, those, those are the ones we probably rank on the more easy-to-use scale, because you can't screw it up by picking a wrong spell. You can just fix it tomorrow. It's easy. <laughs> That's exactly right. So, yeah, it, it, I and I guess, too, we could should talk about the difference between what is a spellcaster and a martial character, because that is something we'll talk about in some later episodes. But a martial character is melee. It's someone who's face-to-face. They might have a ranged attack, but they're not using magic the majority of the time. There's that caveat in there. They can use magic, but the ones we're talking about today are the ones that use magic seventy-five to eighty percent of the time. Yeah. Marshals specialize in physical
1: damage. Whereas spellcasters obviously they their combat and well, their gameplay is focused around using spells. And there's a funny distinction because there's a disparity between spellcasters and martial classes that that we don't have time to get into it tonight because we'll we have opinions
0: yeah and we'll tackle that I think that that conversation more when we talk about the martial class but there is an ongoing conversation in the community about which is better and you know as we say to each their own you know play what you like best if you want to yeah. sling some fireballs around and play a magic caster if you want to shoot people in the face or stab them 300 times with a dagger then play a martial class it's it's really that simple they're all effective. As long as you're having fun. That's right. That's the main thing. (laughs) It's the key. Really do need to put that as our tagline. I think so. (laughs) Crypt of knowledge. As long as you're having fun. As long as you're having a good time. (laughs) (laughs) So there are some of these classes that kind of sit in between worlds. We're not going to talk about the bard tonight. They're not necessarily a martial class. Because their subclasses can be so varied between a bard. But they're also not pure spellcasters. So they, they have the ability, you know, College of Swords and those type of things to be really effective martial classes. So the Bard and the Artificer who is definitely in the realm of elemental damage a lot of the times but not necessarily magic damage. So those two kind of almost get left out of both categories. They're kind of in their own. Yeah, I think that's accurate. They, they dance that line in
1: between so much so that that they really just can't be lumped into either group. Yeah, it's it's.
0: Can you really define a bard? <laughs> no, no, and it's the best thing in the world. <laughs> it is. Bard is a bard, and there's nothing else like it. So
1: nope. And an artificer too. I don't. I. I've never played one. I don't. Can't wrap my head around that.
0: <laughs> they are little tinkerer boys and girls. They they like to play with things and make things that blow up. And I'm here for that. But it's not definitely, it's again, elemental damage and that type of stuff is in their wheelhouse, but Mm -hmm. not by using magic. It's through devices. Oh, I gotcha. Okay. Well, no, that's pretty neat. Yeah, I'm here for that too. (laughs) Yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty cool, but not fitting into tonight's categories. So, we'll just go through spellcasters then, and we'll kind of break them down, and what each of the spellcasting classes are, and how we feel like they are ranked as far as ease of use. So, I'll start out. You can tell me if you agree, but I feel like The warlock of all of these spellcasting classes is the easiest to understand, and I'll tell you why. You get two spells to start off with early. It's it's real simple. That's pretty much it. Yeah, the gameplay is Eldritch Blast, Eldritch Blast, Eldritch Blast. That's That's your game plan as a warlock. (laughs) And then you can use your weapon and do martial damage as well. They're really flexible about going in and out. And they get those two spells they can use for other things. If they want to fly or cast an actual real spell or do something like that to kind of help along their other abilities. Other cantrips, which are all powerful. And their martial ability. So I feel like that is probably spellcasting wise easiest because you don't have a lot to keep up with. I think that's true. I I think I I agree that
1: this is they're probably the easiest, and just because they just don't have a wide array of things, you're not going to be looking at your character sheet, you know, with a hundred options of like, oh well, how can I do this? It really does just boil down to eldritch blast. The yeah. other spells are going to be situational at best, or just for flavor most of the time. And I have played a couple of warlocks. I I am really a big fan of warlocks, but they're they're one of those classes that has. Anybody who's familiar with the Hexblade, easily one of my favorite subclasses in the Warlock uh, wheelhouse because uh, it just excels at everything: spellcasting, melee, and they're just they're just so cool.
0: <laughs> they are, and Warlock again is just so versatile. You can play it in so many different ways, but even at that, it's it, because it is so versatile. It, it gives you a little bit of easy of use as you're getting into it. So uh, I'm glad we both agree that probably is the easiest class to play as far as spellcasters go. But if you're looking in the book, they straight out say warlocks are seekers of the knowledge that lies hidden in the fabric of the multiverse. Ooh, fancy words, right? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Sounds awful neat. (laughs) Sounds awful neat. The one thing, though, is they are considered half casters. So what this means is the other casters can go all the way up to ninth level spells, The best a warlock will ever get is 5th level. And again, we've talked about their limited ability of spells. I think all the way up until 11th level, you only have two spells per day that you can use. So, I mean, or per short rest, I should say. So, it's a little more difficult to keep the big ones in the chamber. But you also aren't going to get the top end highest power level spells as you do it either. No, you're not going to be... Racing the
1: charts against some of the other spellcasters in this category, that you know, for damage, warlocks have incredibly good DPS, mm-hmm. and that because, or I guess DPR, damage per round. Um, <laughs> true. <laughs> <laughs> because
0: Eldritch Blast is just so reliable. You know, I mean, and it stacks up. It gets better as you get to higher levels. So yeah, it, it levels with you. It does. It absolutely
1: does. So. If you're looking to play a spellcaster and you want to be slinging spells left and right, warlock probably isn't for you. Yeah, if you want to drop fireballs on people, don't don't pick a warlock. No, definitely not. But if you want something that's sort of in between, has a lot of room for flavor and just just cool edgy stuff like, you know,
0: I'm into, <laughs> then the warlock is probably for you. Yes, if edge lord is your thing to be, then War- <laughs> warlock can do it for sure. <laughs> and each of these classes do have a important stat as far as your your six stats to go out and charisma is the one for warlocks so all your spells are based on everything else your, your spell saves and, and all that so you definitely want to make sure you stack your charisma if you be a warlock we will go through and break down almost every class this season as we're hoping to do and so when we get to the warlock of course and all the other spellcasters we'll talk about today, we'll, we'll break them down even more, but just wanna high-level stuff. They are a charisma-based class, so everyone should know that when they go into making one. Don't put everything in decks and then wonder why your spells aren't very effective.
1: No, yeah. Charisma is not the dump stat this time. I
0: know it <laughs> is for a lot
1: of people. Yes. <laughs> and I've always thought that charisma as a spellcasting ability
0: was so strange. It is, but I guess when you think about it and you've made a pact with some otherworldly or devilish or other being that's just semi-godlike, I guess you got to be pretty charismatic to pull that (laughs) off. (laughs) That's the only thing I can think of. No, I I guess so. I hadn't thought about it that way, but I guess you're right. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, talk about being an edgelord. They're pretty pretty charismatic most of the time. (laughs) Well, you know. I'm not going to brag or anything, but... (laughs) Well, the one part that does make them tough to play is their low number of spell slots. But again, those powerful cantrips and that martial ability do offset that. We talked about known spells. They can also replace one known spell every time they level up. So if you do feel like you've made a mistake or you're not going to use a spell very often, you can nix it and bring in something else that you think will be more effective in your build. But it's definitely
1: something that you're going to want to be thinking about when you have the opportunity to choose those spells, because you might be stuck with it for a while.
0: Yeah, as you level up, you're going to learn new spells, but at the same time, when you feel like, uh, this fly ability I've got here, I just don't ever use it that much. (laughs) So you can get rid of it and pick something that's more effective to help out your group or just the way you play, either way. Not using fly? I don't know what you're talking about. I know it was the first (laughs) one that came to my head, but no,
1: no, it's it's a good example. We we just always use fly, always, (laughs)
0: always. (laughs) (laughs) So that's the easiest, the warlock. The second for me, and again, we'll see if we agree, is the cleric. Hmm. And again, this one is because you're just so hardy. It's not that it might be the easiest to get around and choose spells and do all that. You're just so hardy. It's hard for you to get in trouble. You've got the ability to tank and melee a little bit, and then you can heal your team. And everybody knows you can just back up and, okay, I, I don't know what I'm supposed to do this round. I will just make sure no one dies. So I, I think that makes it, for me, the second easiest. No, I'm going to agree with you on this one. It Cleric definitely is. And just
1: because it's so—I I was going to say it's, like, easy— and it is, but not in like a, oh, cleric, that's easy mode type deal. It's not like it's easy to define your role as yes. a cleric because you do have a wide a wide array of things at your disposal when uh, when you're playing a cleric. But usually, and, and you, you can do them all. You, I mean, you really can. Clerics are, are made where you can cast and tank and, and heal and do it all in, in one go. Mm-hmm. But if you define that role and really... Center your character on it, then they become incredibly adept at whatever chosen field you've, you know, chosen
0: path you've set them on. Yeah, and we both know from clerics in our campaigns... Not all clerics heal. It's no. just I mean, they have the ability and with one D and D, and we're not gonna talk about much about it, but with one D and D coming along, the cleric has changed to where they innately have more healing capabilities. You don't have to waste spell slots as much for that. So that's gonna be a change that helps them out. But we had a cleric that was melee first. Mm-hmm. You know, and she built her spells and everything that she knew each day around that, and she was very effective. And she did keep the team alive when she needed to. It was always there, but that wasn't her primary goal. So, you know, they again, like I said, they're so versatile. And, again, just like the Warlock, there's so many things they can do. I just think that makes it a little bit easier than I have to cast a spell every turn. No, definitely. And, you know, with stuff like Spiritual Guardian
1: and, and all all those types of spells that they've, you know that clerics are known for, they can fit in whatever role you need them at a moment's notice. Mm -hmm. They really can. And the cleric that you're talking about was mostly just a damage cleric. Yeah. And I mean, and was good at it.
0: Yeah. I mean, there wasn't a tank until your character came along later in the season. We didn't have a tank in the group. You know, there was a monk and there was a warlock and there was various other people, thief and some other stuff that were in and out. But there wasn't a tank, so she was the tank. She had like a twenty AC at relatively low level, and she just said, "Hit me!" And so that's how it worked. Yeah, and she hit back. She did. She definitely did. It was it was good. Good way to fit into the group, and it was her style. She didn't didn't want to step back and heal, and I don't blame her. I wouldn't either. No, no. If you need it maybe, but no. I'm gonna I'm gonna smack things with this big old mace. <laughs> So the book
1: says that clerics are intermediaries between the mortal world and the distant planes of the gods. Personally, I think that goes for warlocks, too. But <laughs> I think I think it's two ends of a spectrum here. Yeah.
0: Now, the clerics are on, maybe on the high end of the gods. And mm-hmm. the warlocks are kind of muddled with the demigods and the not-so-favorable gods and the ancient ones. So, yeah. <laughs> it, similar... But on different spectrums. The cooler gods, you know. Right. They're the the cool goth kids in school. Absolutely. (laughs) But it is a class, I think, that sometimes can be considered a martial class. It's one of those that, again, you are spellcasting probably more than you're smacking things around. But they can handle their own. You know, they, they just can. They can use a shield. They can use martial weapons. And they can really get involved with things. Yeah, wear heavy armor. I mean, the whole mm-hmm. the whole shebang. Yeah. Depending on which subclass you take, they really can be very effective in the martial melee combat. So, again, it's one of these that kind of falls in between, but almost everyone will classify them as a spellcaster just because they have so many spells available to them. For them, their most important stat is wisdom. Makes sense. Which, yeah, totally makes sense with, you know, the gods and all that other stuff and being wise. So... I uh, it fits perfectly fine there they can also change their list of prepared spells every day after a long rest so it again makes it an easier class if you're like dang i really should have this spell it's fine the next day when you wake up just learn it and you're fine
1: yeah i think this is my opinion i think all spellcasters should be able to do that anybody that has spells i think they should be able to just To swap out the ones. Now, there's one exception, and we'll get to that later. (laughs) And that's because there are perks to to offset that. Yeah. But otherwise, that's one of the things that makes playing a cleric really, really nice. Mm. And uh, they're a staple. I can't think of many parties I've ever been in that didn't have one. And if someone else didn't pick it... (laughs) Oh, well, now that you... (laughs) Now, hold on. We'll get... (laughs) (laughs) no that's true uh we have a druid who keeps at least a healing spell on hand yeah yeah that's me so mm, you know it's sort of the same situation that we were in before you have a, a class that's capable but is more focused on damage but if somebody is going down we can intervene if need be
0: yeah, well it, and that's the thing too. Some things are changing. One D&D changes some rules. I think they are going more toward every class can reevaluate their skills each day is what it looks like from the few that they've shown. But the cleric currently is it's just a hardy class. It's like you said, could be that staple in every party, but almost every spellcasting class now has some form of healing in it. So, you know, you don't have to have that dedicated healer. But you're you're right, that Especially in the last several editions. If you didn't have a, a cleric in your party, what are you doing? You know, that was just, you had to have them.
1: Yeah, it really starts to, to shrink the number of encounters that your party can have every day. Yes. Before you're running back to the inn to get a to get a long rest or, or something, to short rest and
0: spend all your hit night. Yeah, there, there's only so many potions that shopkeeps <laughs> will have before you... <laughs> You've drained them, and you got to go find another town just to get potions. So Yeah, eventually you'll buy them out. <laughs> yes, the economy is not that great. I mean, it might be, depending on how long you stick around and adventure, they might start stocking up on <laughs> potions. They know you're coming to them every day, and they jack the price up on you. But, yeah, it, it definitely helps to have a cleric because of their wide range of healing capabilities. The other classes do have one-offs, and they can heal slightly, but... The Cleric is the pure healer, for sure.
1: And see, and this is... I don't know. I just thought about this. And I think as a class that has access to spells, obviously it doesn't fit on this list, but the Paladin probably fits in with the Bard and the
0: Artificer. They are close, but the Paladin spells are Smite. So that's that's really all you want to look at as a Paladin. You don't want to use a lot of the other stuff. You just want to Smite. And that goes along with your martial damage. So they, to me are not in that middle. They are a martial class who just adds the power of smite and the occasional lay on hands. But, yeah. I guess that's fair.
1: I have, like, Holy Paladin from World of Warcraft in my, when I think of a paladin.
0: Yeah, there, again, there are a lot of classes, and especially when you get into the subclasses, and we'll talk about those later, that can cast. But, in general, the one that everybody thinks about, the paladin falls into the, the martial abilities, so... I think they definitely, they for sure lean that way. Yeah, they're not casting the majority of the time. They're casting as a backup to increase the damage from their martial abilities. Yeah, that
1: makes sense. You're right.
0: But it is, a lot of people get confused. So it's good that you brought it up because, you know, the Ranger, they have spells. There's a lot of them that have spells. They're just not, majority of the time, casting those spells. So. Yeah, yeah, I guess that's true. So, third on my list of. Easiest to play would fall the druid. They again are relatively simple as far as they have a wide range of spells you can choose from. They can support, they can damage, but then they have things like you know wild shape, (laughs) which make (laughs) it fun and easier to do. And they do have some martial ability, not much, but they do have some depending on your build. So I shillelagh. (laughs) Yeah, surely. basically. (laughs) Let me smack you with this big stick. So (laughs) that's, for me, the third is the druid.
1: I think, mm, yeah, I mean, it's going to have to be there because it's past the other two classes. It's when stuff is going to start getting confusing. Yeah. Yeah, oh, the last two for sure. So it's definitely not in the top two. So, yeah, three is good. That's when you're going to start looking at your character sheet during combat or certain situations and you're gonna be going uh okay Mm, i could do this or i could do this or you know what i mean that's that's what i think of when i think a druid a a class that is so well adjusted for any situation a druid can do it all i i love my druid and he's a special sort of druid but (laughs) he is a special boy (laughs) but there's oh yeah but there's nothing that he can't do
0: that's true including turn into a 40-foot demon yeah, you know, we like a little homebrew in our. <laughs> <laughs> we do, we do. It makes it fun. We, again, power trips. That's what we're all about. Everybody's power. Oh trip. yeah, oh yeah.
1: His his wild shape. it turns into undead
0: versions of animals. Like that is just so cool. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you gotta have that yin and yang, right? You get the druids oh, and the yeah. clerics. You gotta put some dark on the other side. No, a hundred percent. You do. You absolutely do. <laughs> So the book describes druids. It says, whether calling on the elemental forces of nature or emulating the creatures of the animal world, druids are an embodiment of nature's resilience, cunning, and fury. Absolutely agree. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) They they 100% do all of those things. If you're looking for elemental damage, they're the masters of it. If you are looking to play around with animals and you don't want to be a ranger, then that's just the way to go. So I think the wild shape to me is more effective than a beast tamer pet. If you want to look at CR for me and the way things work, I feel like. No, I think I think you're spot on there. You know, there are very
1: few, situ- and I know very few rangers who would let their pet get that far away from them for that long to tank a bunch of damage. Mm-hmm. But the wild shape druid is getting right on in there they're probably the first ones in
0: and you've got the ability of that creates a tanking a, a situation because you've got the HP of whatever creature you've shifted into doesn't affect your HP when you nope. lose that HP as a creature you drop and then you've got all of your HP still so yeah used in the right situation it can be very effective at prolonging a battle or keeping the enemies off of somebody else who's doing the work yeah and the higher level you are the more times you can do it a day I mean mm-hmm. it's a ton
1: yeah. I Very rarely do I use all my wild shapes, unless I'm just feeling like just turn it into a, a, a skeleton owl every 30 minutes or something. But <laughs>
0: you've got plenty of uses on that. Yes, that is true. Uh, and we're talking most important stats again. Same one here. It's wisdom. Mm-hmm. You, you need to be a little wise to cast most of these things. So make sure that you're loading up on your wisdom there. They are unique with that shapeshift and wild shape. I can't think besides polymorph. And true polymorph. I can't think of anything really that's that powerful, again, with the the CR upside. And again, no no loss of HP from your character, actually, as long as you're shifted. So, you know, it's just... It's a really cool feature specifically for Druids. Yeah, and you maintain
1: all of your non-physical attributes. Yeah. Which is, is, you know, you can't speak. But otherwise you know, all of your mental faculties are there and then all of your damage and stuff is going to be translated over to whichever animal you choose, which I wish the list was bigger, but then that's what circle of the moon is for.
0: There you go. (laughs) Depends on your subclass. You can make it pretty big. Yeah, you really can. What's the (laughs) highest their CR goes up to? Six, I believe. (laughs) Yeah. What? Yeah. They get pretty nasty. Mm Mm-hmm. I think that fits in a T-Rex. So, I believe they're CR6 and the intelligence is low enough, so... That, see, that's that's why I love druids.
1: Do you know another class that can just snap their fingers and become a T-Rex? I don't.
0: I know. <laughs> it would be pretty fun, that is for sure. I'd do it in real life.
1: Yeah, 100%. And now, some of these classes coming up might be able to snap their fingers and turn you into a T-Rex. <laughs> True. It's True. a different story. <laughs>
0: The druids, though, fall in the same line. They can change their spell list, their prepared list, after every long rest. So, again, it's another one of those where your situation may change daily on either where you are or what you're preparing to do for the day. And you can totally change everything that you know just to make it fit with what you plan on doing that day, which is very nice. Yeah, and I take advantage of that. And I would advise other people that play druids or want to play
1: druids to, to think about what you're going into, these situations, and change your loadout change your spells because not all of them can do that as we're learning here. So, if you can tailor make your spell list to whatever you think you're going to be going up against because that can be the difference.
0: That's it. Everybody heard it. It's a loadout. That's what I'm calling it every day now. <laughs> every every time we play every session, all right, have you set your loadout for the day? <laughs> I love it. It's no, fantastic. that's great but <laughs> well, the druids do have a wide range of spells but for me they're more of a support class they can do some major damage they've got lightning and other things that they can do but for me the, the, where they can truly shine is being that support class to occasionally pop off a heal or pop off something else that can help the group as in general not necessarily just doing direct damage for them
1: yeah I'm just a damage fiend But but you're absolutely right
0: well, they don't get a lot of the big ones. You're not going to get Fireball. You're not going to get some of those with the druids. So it, they might not have all of the big time spells. That's why I feel like they're more of a support class for me. They can still do damage. Don't get me wrong. But I feel like it's more support. I thought it was interesting that my homebrew does have access to Fireball. And
1: like, there must be something going on here.
0: Yeah, it's because of your subclass that you're playing is the reason you have Fireball. Uh, okay.
1: Normal that makes ones sense. don't. <laughs> no, I didn't think so. I was like, I don't remember seeing, but I'm gonna take it.
0: (laughs) Yeah, no, why look a gift horse in the mouth?
1: No, exactly.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So now we get into the ones that I would consider fairly difficult and would not advise anyone beginning in this game to try as your first character. The others you could get away with with some help from your DM, help from your other players. The last two, for me, I think are just not user friendly for someone learning to play the game. I don't know if you agree.
1: No, I do. I definitely do. But I think that... and We'll see. Maybe it'll change my mind after we have this conversation.
0: I would switch them. Okay. That's fair. I yeah. have Wizard as the the second hardest to play and Sorcerer's the hardest. And I kind of figured this was coming because I know you like your Sorcerer. <laughs> I absolutely loathe the Sorcerer and wish it would go away. Just That's kill fair. it. <laughs> I've, I have never had Whoa, now. one. Hold on. No, well, <laughs> I, until, maybe in a one-shot or something like that. I have never had a sorcerer run in any of my games. It's just not something people put high on their list to run. That's really interesting. Well, well I think, it and the reason I have it is last is because it can get really convoluted and confusing with all of your meta magic and your wild sorcery and those types sure. of things. No, absolutely it can. I
1: think, I guess maybe the wizard is a little more straightforward in that sense.
0: Yeah, and I think that's why people look at it and they're like, well, I have to make all these choices and these decisions, and if I go Wild Magic, I could screw everybody over. (laughs) So I just want to stay away from that, and I'll just drop fireballs on people. So Easy (laughs) enough. Right? No drama so, there. <laughs> yeah, so we'll start, and it can be flipped either way. I'd agree that that some people do think wizards are p- fairly complicated, but we'll start with wizard here in this slot and just kind of go over them. The book says wizards are supreme magic users, defined <laughs> and united as a class by the spells they cast. With all the uppityness of a wizard. Yeah, <laughs> all was... the uppityness. <laughs> that was perfect. <laughs> Yeah, so, I, so anytime you talk about a spellcaster, you just automatically think of a wizard. It's your base class. It's your Harry Potter. It's your every other genre. When you talk about a spellcaster, it's a wizard.
1: No, a hundred percent. I like the word mage. I wish it, I, I don't like care for the word <laughs> wizard, but I don't. I don't know why that that word doesn't have a place in in D anD. D you're a mage, Harry.
0: See, it just doesn't—it ha- doesn't have the same ring. Uh,
1: you're a sorcerer, Harry. Either way, I think we just just—we're shoehorned into wizard here. Thanks, yeah. JK.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but wizards are complicated for the fact that they have so many options, and they have low HP, they have low AC, they have a limited amount of spells, although a large amount of spells as they get through things as far as how many they can cast today it's, it's still pretty large but when they run out what do they do <laughs> they go sorry guys i'm going to sit back here in this other room while you guys keep going forward <laughs> yeah because i mean they're they're straight up glass cannon status yeah that's a wizard you know what i mean he does not want to get in the fray nope and so that i think is what makes it difficult is learning to not burn your spells too early use what cantrips you can and to navigate that type of magic, I think, is what makes the wizard so difficult. Because I've known many that started as a wizard and just burned their spells and then like, well, what do I do? I I stab someone with my dagger and then I get stabbed back and I die. <laughs> Pacing, my friend. <laughs> Pace yourself. Exactly. So it's not hard to learn, but it's something that takes time and you will make mistakes. If you are really feeling like punishing yourself, then maybe talk with your DM about starting with this class. But again, I would not. There are much easier ones that are just as fun, and you can do a lot of the same damage. So choose one of those to start with and use this as a second or third character. But when you do get around to making your wizard, because you will eventually. (laughs) We all do. (laughs) Yeah, everyone does. But make sure their most important stat is intelligence. They are the oddball from everyone else. Set of wisdom. They are intelligent. They're book smart, not street smart. Right, and that's the crux
1: of the wizard. Mm -hmm. Their spells are in a book, and you get two more with every level. Mm -hmm. This is maybe the one thing I do really like about wizards. Scrolls and other sources of magic that that aren't yours, you can copy those into your spell book, and then you can have them. Mm -hmm. And now I do really like that. That's pretty
0: cool. It's not cheap, It takes a lot of gold worth of paper and ink, and it takes some time, but yes, you can find anything out of the world and learn it. It has to be a level you can cast before you can transcribe it, but hold on to that level four scroll till you get high enough to cast it, and then transcribe it. Don't burn it. Absolutely. Yeah.
1: Don't get rid of it. Don't let the rogue have it.
0: No. Don't sell it. No. No, you need gold every now and then, but no, hold on to that and just fill your book out.
1: Yeah, go knock over a goblin camp and then <laughs> hang on to the scroll.
0: Yeah, there you go. Yeah, that is the the one thing that is really unique for them is that they can learn pretty much any magic in the game. It's There's very few spells they can't learn over time if they try their hardest. And it's picking them as a level up and then transcribing them when they find the things. And then like the other ones, they can pick different spells every day. So you can tailor your build To how you need it to be that day. If you're going in and fighting fire monsters, then change to your ice spells. If you're going in to fight an ice monster, change to your fire spells. It's perfectly fine. Put your loadout in there and do it. (laughs) (laughs) Make sure you change your loadout. Uh, So, yeah. They are difficult, but playable. They're fun. They're unique. Again, as you dig into the subclasses, they can be really unique and terrifying when they drop fireballs all over you. So, they're fun to play. If you ever get the chance to and you feel comfortable with it, definitely try out a wizard.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Especially now that we understand it a little better. It <laughs> there you go. doesn't feel quite as daunting.
0: There you go. The Sorcerer, then, is the last true spellcaster we'll talk about. The book says sorcerers carry a magical birthright conferred upon them by an exotic bloodline, some otherworldly influence, or exposure to unknown cosmic forces. Oh, yeah. Yeah the spooky boys that's the stuff right there i think i think the biggest thing
1: for me is wizards are your quintessential magic user right Mm -hmm. but i think of old people in a tower with books and hoity-toity and like you know what i mean like just a fragile person but a sorcerer is somebody who is infused with magic down to their bones yep and it just flows out of them most of the time completely uncontrolled (laughs) It's true. Wild magic will do that. (laughs) Yeah. They're just, uh, it's a flavor thing for the most part, but that's what I think of when I think of a sorcerer is somebody who just has magic flying out of their fingertips all the time
0: because they're just as squishy as a wizard is. True. They have the same hit die. They have the same issues with no armor. They are the two glass cannons of the group for sure. Yep. But they are full casters. But the limits come with your sorcery points and then a somewhat limited spell book. So they do not know every spell available to the world. They know a bunch, but there are limitations to their spell book, which narrows them down a little bit. Again, this is one of those classes where the most important stat is charisma, because (laughs) same reasons, (laughs) same reasons, edgy boys. Yep. So, you know, for me, the sorcery points and the meta magic, the wild magic, this is where it gets convoluted and people don't know what to do with it so as our resident sorcerer (laughs) break down what you can do with sorcery points
1: so sorcery points you have a font of magic and it's this well of what they call sorcery points and you can spend those sorcery points to augment spells in a few different ways you get to pick a couple to start out and then as you Level up, you can pick more, but it's important that you you really think about which ones you want to use. For me, it's a pretty pretty easy choice. You've got stuff like extend spell, which gives you more range on a spell, doubles the range. So you've got stuff like, twinned spell. Mm-hmm. Twinned spell is essentially when you cast a spell that targets only one creature and doesn't have a range of self. You can spend a number of sorcery points equal to the spell's level to target a second creature in range with the same spell. One sorcery point if it's a cantrip. You ever wanted to fire two fireballs? <laughs> this is how you do that. <laughs> this, the, the sorcerer, I love it because they get around, and they may be the only class that can, can get around that one spell per action. Or one, some, one spell
0: per turn. Yeah, there are some other subclasses that can help you do that. But inherently, yes, the sorcerer for a very, very long time was the only one that could do that. And I think that makes them super neat hmm It does. They run out of points fairly easily, but you get them back on a short rest, right? Actually, it's only after a long rest, which it, it would have been better if
1: it, you know, that would have been nice if it was a short rest. A lot of things would be. That's a different conversation. That's true. Conversation. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's a long rest, and I want to say the last time I played, I only had six levels in Sorcerer. Maybe it was seven, but I only had seven sorcery points. Mm-hmm. So it's a pretty pretty small amount and you have to you have to really be careful what you use them on because they go quick and and i mean they allow you to do a lot you know two fireballs is not (laughs) not something to shake a stick at
0: right and it it's not like you can't cast a spell if you have no sorcery points no you can still cast spells if you have spell slots they just don't allow this meta magic game to happen. Or like you said, empowering or whatever else you try to do with your spells, you just can't do that part. You can still cast a spell normally, which sure. is fine. You just have all these meta magic things. Then that's where you spend your points at.
1: Yeah, you got careful spell, distant spell, empowered spell, extended, heightened, quickened, subtle is what I was thinking a minute ago, and twinned. And so, just based on what they're called, it's pretty, they're pretty self-explanatory. Careful is really interesting because you can choose creatures to succeed on the saving throw of whatever spell you cast. So, there, there's a lot of really cool stuff that you can do with their metamagic, and it is a, a limited resource. But, the really cool thing here is, is you can actually turn your spell slots into more sorcery points.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which
1: is, I mean, okay... <laughs> Fantastic. That's all I needed to
0: know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and again, one of the things that I guess some people look at as a drawback besides these points is the wild magic surges. Right? Cuz those are, are kind of random and when you get hit with them, I'm, you never I never know. I I could see why maybe some people could see that as a downside, but
1: me personally, <laughs> it just sounds like flavor to me, baby.
0: It's a large list of things that could happen. Both good and (laughs) mostly bad. Mostly when a surge hits. But I mean, it it isn't like it happens every single time you cast a spell. It it is a relatively small chance. No, and that's it's only if you pick the wild magic background. You're right. It's only when you choose the origin for wild wild magic that it would even affect you. Yes. So It's tempting.
1: (laughs) It is. Picking wild magic is tempting. But it's got that ma- that major downside. None of the other Origins have quite a, a downside like that. And like I said, it- it's really interesting. It's not always bad. It's mostly bad.
0: <laughs> but again, even as it is mostly bad, it's a 5% chance. Roll a d20 and if you get a 1, then the wild magic happens. Yes. So it's it's not like it's going to happen every single time you cast a spell anyway. And you might like that. Bit of chaos every now and then, you know. Once every few sessions, of if course. If you're the edge lord that you claim to be, <laughs> anyway, why not throw in a little wild magic, right?
1: You're already playing a sorcerer, dude. I mean, just go ahead and embrace it.
0: <laughs> yeah. So that's that's I think what makes the sorcerer a little convoluted. Is there so many of those special things that are just in that class that you don't find mixed in anywhere else, with the the wild magic option and the sorcery points and trying to figure out, you know, am I going to quicken, enhance, and power? what am I going to do with these things? That can make it a little more difficult. That's why for me it's number one, for you it's number two. I get it either way, they're both difficult.
1: Absolutely. I think with the wizard, it's more, you definitely have a a larger quantity of things that you can do, A, a larger quantity of spells, perhaps, whereas the sorcerer is there's a wide array of things you can do with all of those spells.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: I both of them are great classes. You can't go wrong. It's definitely one of those things though where if you're just starting out, talk to your DM about it because it's definitely something you don't want to go into uninformed. Right. Cuz it can really it, it it can slow the game down or it can
0: just cause a lot of undue frustration. Yeah, I am one that will wholeheartedly tell you I advise strongly against doing a wizard or a sorcerer. If you're trying to start in this as your first character, if you wanted to play in my game, I would tell you, "Mm, I really don't want you to, I wouldn't bar it, but it would be strongly advised not to just for, like you said, not only are you going to be trying to learn this, but as you're going through it, especially the first few levels, you're going to be really slow in combat. It's going to drag the entire table down. Uh, uh, People are already slow when they're learning. But then you add in that aspect of even more complicated things to do; it just makes it even worse, and it's it's hard sometimes. Sometimes DMs, but even especially players, aren't as patient around a table when they're waiting for their turn.
1: Yeah, we're spoiled. Like I don't think I ever had like a, a negative experience around a table, and I know that that is the exception. Yeah, for <laughs> I know sure. that that's the outlier. So it's it's one of those things. People shouldn't be giving you a hard time. That's that's a terrible thing to do. Like just just hang on. But being considerate for everyone else at the table, it certainly can pump the brakes a little bit. Absolutely.
0: So that's our list of difficulties through these spellcasters, which one's easier and hardest to play. Now, there are some other ones we mentioned that are kind of the hybrid martial slash casters because of their subclass. And we're not going to dig into those really deeply, but there are things like the Eldritch Knight, the Rangers, uh, the Paladins... That have the different ones, the Path of the Wild Magic, Barbarian, Arcane Tricksters even. So almost every class has some type of spell-wielding subclass that you can dive into and kind of offset your feeling of wanting to do magic but also wanting to... Do your martial melee attacks as well. And a lot of those are not full casters. They're half casters anyway. So they're not going to get the full advantage of a normal spell book. But that can kind of ease you into learning how to be a spellcaster. I think wizards really hit the bullseye on that one.
1: Giving every class the ability to cast spells in some form or fashion. Mm-hmm. I, I think that that's it's just a good idea. I don't think, you know, you can't go wrong there. Because everybody likes to cast spells, man. I mean... Mm-hmm. And like you said, it's not it's not a full on caster, so don't be thinking that you're going to be slinging fireballs and swinging a great sword. It doesn't work <laughs> like that. But no. you but you can certainly pick up some stuff that gives you
0: heavy advantages in combat and otherwise. Even if it's simple buffs for yourself, like you know you're talking the uh, runic knights. Mm-hmm. Y- you know those those give you self buffs most of the time. So it's magic. And it, it just something adds to the ability of the character to adapt to every situation that they've, they're they going to come up against. So, yeah, I think it's a very good thing. It wasn't always that way. A lot of these classes, like the Eldritch Knight, the, the Wild Magic Barbarian, all those things kind of came at a later part. They weren't starting in 5e. They weren't there. They came with different books. But I think it's good that they're continuing to do that, and I hope they continue to do that into 1D&D as well when they look at subclasses. Definitely. Because...
1: They're certainly making it easier to take some of these other classes like the the cleric, for example, is now with the way 1D&D is going, you can really focus in on just being a spellcaster. So they have that option mm-hmm. too. So I think it's good that the
0: the martial classes have that option as well. Agreed. So the last thing we'll talk about here tonight is the party roles and kind of some of the different ways that your spellcaster can fit into the group. The first and the easiest to understand are the Nukers. They have the classic Fireball, Chain Lightning, Disintegrate, all the big boy spells, and they just drop AOEs all over the place, right? So much fun. (laughs) So much fun. (laughs) Can't go wrong with that. Uh, No, and they are fun to play, they're easy to play, because you're just like, okay, 20 foot radius, I'll drop it anywhere on the board, hopefully my player friends aren't near that, and we'll we'll just see what happens. And so if you get a group of those together, or multiples in a party, it can be tough on a DM to find <laughs> find creatures that can put up to that. You have you two right find... now. I do, and I have to find magic-resistant creatures constantly to try to get through that. But it's, it is so much fun seeing nukes fall all over the battlefield. It's really fun.
1: Yeah. Uh, as a nuker, uh, <laughs> I mean, I, well, not a glass cannon even, but I... Nope. I It's so much fun. There's nothing like seeing five or six baddies drop at one time. It's like, uh uh-oh, here's an encounter. Oh, it's
0: over now. All right. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, if I don't get the jump on you guys, it can be difficult. It can be over with pretty quick before I get to do much. But eh, that's what it is. You guys built your your characters the right (laughs) way, and that's the way it works. But you mentioned Glass Cannon. That's kind of another one that falls into that nuker category. Wizards and Sorcerers are the really the only two that can fall into this one because they have the lowest hit die and they have the lowest AC options available, but they have the highest damage output. If you're Easily. talking about just pure damage, that's the way you want to go. Stay away. Most of the spells are long range anyway, 60 to 120. Hmm. So use your movement. That's why you get movement and actions on every turn. And I tell everyone that plays spellcasters like that that are glass cannons, Look what's around you. If you have a monster, and you know the majority have 30 feet of movement, make sure you're 35 feet away. <laughs> it's that <laughs> that's simple.
1: A, that's a good tip.
0: <laughs> it's that simple. Minimum. Yeah, and then you can run again next turn if you have to, and you come up a situation you might have to double dash every now and then, but just hit and run. It's that simple. Use your powers the way they're supposed to be used. Yeah, that's one of my favorite ways to play is something that just –
1: I don't have any problem staying out of the fray. I'm going to destroy it from way over here. <laughs> yes, so, absolutely. I mean, yeah, Khan and Dex, dump those stats, baby. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Pump yeah. those the spellcasting attributes up. And
0: yeah. you would be amazed how much damage you can put out. Yeah, it, it totally is, I think, one of the... First builds, almost every wizard decides to make is a glass cannon build. Let's just dump it all into intelligence that we need, and let's go burn things up. Yeah, it it. it feels right. (laughs) It does. (laughs) One of the other play roles, and this one kind of falls down to mostly the cleric, is the healer. It's pretty straightforward. Uh, As we talked about, almost every spellcasting class now has some form or fashion of healing, and others like druids have a little more paladins that we didn't really dump in here, but paladins, same way. They've got a lot of healing they can use, but if you're a paladin, don't. Just smite things. Mm-hmm. You, just smite. It's <laughs> easy. It's, it's easy. It's what, it's what you should do. Call what you are Yeah, call down your god's name and smash things. Yes. <laughs> but the healing is straightforward. It's a cleric role. If there is that role... That's defined in your party. A lot of parties, like the the ones you've been in recently, are a healing by committee. And that's okay, too. Everyone mm. has some little form of healing. And whoever is not in the position to do the most damage, they take their turn and do the healing. And that's fine. Yeah, it's something that we all came to an, an agreement
1: upon without ever talking about it. Yeah. <laughs> we just always, did, for whatever reason, like nobody picks a healer and nobody fusses.
0: Yeah. It's one of the best things in one-shots, too, is because you guys don't necessarily all communicate on what you're doing off the bat in, in one-shots, but almost every one-shot we've done, there have been multiple healer- healers in there, or they have taken other classes that have taken healing spells and had them prepared just to be safe. You know, Nobody counted on there being a cleric in the party, and that's great.
1: Yeah, because... You don't need one, but if you've got one, you're going to have a way easier time. Let's just be real. <laughs>
0: sure. If you have a dedicated healer who like wow, can sit in the back, way out of the party and just drop heals, that's that's great. But it doesn't happen that often.
1: No, and your damage is going to take a hit.
0: Yes. Yes. You know,
1: combat is focused around four people for as far as, you know, CR goes. So, mm-hmm. you take that other person out. I mean, you're keeping them alive, but it, it might extend combat a little bit.
0: Your best defense is a good offense, is what I always say. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the the third-party role, I think, is one of your favorites. It's the spell swords, right? Mm-hmm.
1: It, especially recently. Spell swords are great. Warlocks are usually what people think of when they think of a spell sword. When you say spell sword, people think Gandalf. Mm-hmm. And that's pretty close. But uh, I usually attribute it to the warlock type. And there are lots of subclasses that fit that. There's the bladesinger wizard. My personal favorite, the Hexblade Warlock, and the Stone Sorcerer, which I'm not
0: super familiar with. It's a UA, and so it's not out there officially yet. It's Dark okay. Arcana, but they basically they're squishy like every sorcerer, but they have the ability as an action to just turn their stone their skin into stone.
1: Oh, okay. So then,
0: yeah, then they get a 13 plus Dex AC.
1: Okay, that's not so, bad.
0: For sorcerer, if you if you pump charisma and then you pump the dex, you you can be all right. You can be a little bit of a tank, so you can get in there. And they have the ability. I think they start with martial weapons as well. So, yeah, it is it is the classic spell sword that you're talking about in that that sense. Yeah,
1: yeah, that's that's pretty sweet. I I just recently had the pleasure of playing the Hexblade Warlock, and it is, and I even I played it different than you probably would, but. Board from mm-hmm. Critical Role Season 2. That's a Hexblade Warlock. That's mm-hmm. that's it. It's quintessential. You get in there and you've got, you know, mostly you'll fall back on Elder's Blast if you have to, but you are not afraid to hop right in the middle and start swinging, and you're good at it.
0: Yeah, if you've got distance between you and the enemy, then you start out with Elder's Blast so you close the distance. But once you get there, yeah, bring that packed weapon out and smack some things. Yeah, I mean, it's it's pretty serious.
1: So uh, if you're not familiar with the Hexblade Borlock, check that out.
0: Yeah, spell swords are that satisfying mix that allows you to do a little bit of everything. You know, again, the the Bladesinger is really cool, too. Any of those that would be considered spell swords, just it feels good because you're like, well, I'm a wizard, but I also am going to smack you with my sword really hard. <laughs> it just feels good. You don't want to stay over there, but you don't want to come over here either. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) They've got that defensive capability built in, which is nice. (laughs) Just a deterrent by existing. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) And the last party role we'll talk about is really the support, which can be broken down into a couple of different ones. There's the crowd control which for me has been a fun one that I've played several times in the past is crowd control using spells like Grasping Vine, Ray of Frost, Hypnotic Pattern, even Sleep. To just control the battlefield, you know, shut down areas where you can focus, the entire party can target focus on one at a time and just summarily go through them all and and wipe out a party. If you hit sleep right, and I think you had that in one of your campaigns that you're running now, you had it happen where they hit sleep just right, and yep. it was just real easy. You stab, stab, and everybody's dead.
1: No, sleep is great. Crowd control is one of those really, if you are looking to play a spellcaster that isn't just nuking or isn't necessarily a spell sword, playing support, I mean, is is a ton of fun. I can't stress mm-hmm. that enough. You have total control over the battlefield. Mm-hmm. The whole thing is, it's a playground for you. <laughs> it doesn't matter where the enemies go, you're going to mess them up.
0: Polymorph!
1: Yeah. Po- <laughs> <laughs> no, the sleep thing, we really, did, recently we had that, and that, she's a sorcerer, and she's done really well, for it being her first character and nice. and all of that. She's tackled that really well. But one of the few spells that she chose was sleep, and I was like, hmm, "Interesting choice. Let's see how that plays out. We would we would be dead if it hadn't been for a couple well-timed sleep spells." Yeah. We we would have not had a good time. We'd have been dragging
0: bodies back to town. It's one of those that people don't think about a lot because it does have that that stigma of, well, Most of the time, they make the save, so it's not going to work. It's just a wasted spell. But when it hits right, it's a big-time spell. Well, and that's not even how sleep works, actually. Oh, it's
1: not anymore? Nope. Sleep now is... Oh, that's right. I forgot. Yeah. You roll... I forget how many die it is, but you add up all the die that you roll, and then you give that number to the DM, and then starting at the lowest HP amount, he starts... He or she, they... Starts putting the the monsters to sleep yeah. until you run out of, you know, however many you rolled. If you, yeah. You know, if you rolled 60 and there are four mobs at 15 HP, they're all going to sleep.
0: Yeah, that I'd forgotten that change because it did, in previous editions, it used to be a save they had to make, and if they, yeah. they saved, then they went. But yeah, now, <laughs> as long as you roll decent, you're at least going to put one or two to sleep. So yeah. yeah, why wouldn't you use it now? Heck yeah.
1: Yeah, we were sleeping whole groups of kobolds and just slipping their throats. <laughs> it was very cathartic i
0: say so that's nice
1: i'm so over kobolds
0: oh man <laughs> At low levels That's quintessential that's what you're gonna fight a lot of kobolds Oof. a lot of goblins yeah <laughs> <laughs> but crowd control is fun cc and just about every game you know video games world of warcraft all those other ones cc builds are really powerful and same in D. you can make a really powerful character that way and how about your group The other support we talk about is the buff slash debuff. Similar to the crowd control, except you're using things like Bane and Bless, Haste and Slow, Counterspell, even something like Spare the Dying can give massive advantages to you and your allies. So, you know, this is centered around, again, I don't want to drop nukes everywhere. I want to step back and make everyone in my party more powerful because of me. And that stuff goes a long way. I I know it's easy to, like, Brush off and just
1: think, oh, well, you know, they're going to be fine with it. But I mean, you want to watch the other characters like you want to help them roll through, wade through enemies, then that's how you do it. Haste. Haste is a ridiculous spell.
0: (laughs) It is. You have to be careful because there's negatives to it. But it, it is really ridiculous. And Bane to me like, I wouldn't build a character. If they had the ability to have Bane, Bane is in my list every single time. Give negatives to your attacks and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It could be the difference between getting hit and not hit and you know, dying. Yeah. It's really intense, actually. It bless,
1: too. Is, is, and see, really, here's the thing. Is that if you've got a dedicated healer character, then nobody's going to need healing every round. Especially no. not in the beginning. So right. that's when you're going to pump spells like these out. And, and bolster them and and get them ready to go. And then if they're doing well, they're hanging in there. Start debuffing the enemy, and I mean they will they will go down quicker than you can imagine.
0: Yeah, if you can mix together that healing slash crowd control slash buff debuff, if you can roll all those into that one support character, then you've got a pretty powerful ally, and you're not gonna be missing. That damage output from them, if that's what they're doing every round, because they're going to be transferring that damage into the other characters. So, or you know, the the ability to make somebody miss, you're not going to get hit, so they won't need to heal. So,
1: yeah, it's definitely worth the cost, you know, to your damage. Because I mean, it makes up for
0: it almost immediately. Yeah, it takes a special kind of player to just want to sit back and be a support person. But there are. I've seen a lot of them do it, and I've seen a lot of them done well. So if you're that kind of person who just really loves to work together as a team and help everybody out, then take a look at it. It might be for you.
1: Are you a control freak? <laughs> <laughs> Try this class with these this spell loadout.
0: <laughs> there you go. That's the way to do it. So, <laughs> but that's really for us. The majority of the party rolls for the spellcasters. We're we'll, we'll not kid you everyone's looking to go nuke. That's that's what you do if you're wanting to play a spellcaster, generally speaking. But the other roles are just as important if you can fit them into your party and get the makeup right. So don't always just think about going nukes. Think about supporting other stuff too.
1: Yeah, it's it's worth it. Because if you've got any other spellcaster in your, in your group, they're probably already thinking about just going glass cannon. So yep. take a moment and decide if you want to do that, fine. It, however you have fun. But it can really be gratifying to step into that that separate role. And you'll be just as effective, if not more.
0: Yeah, a whole group of nukers is not a bad thing, let's just be honest. You can keep <laughs> your distance and you don't get really caught in uptight. You're going to win every battle, that's no problem. But odds of that happening are not great. Your DM's going to catch on to it. You're going to get ambushed. You're going to get other things. So just diversify and survive. <laughs> Couldn't have said it better. <laughs> But that's it. That's a look at spellcasters in 5th edition. It's interesting to me that there are so many different options and so many different ways they can be played. Hopefully this has helped everyone out and given you a list if you're thinking of playing a spellcaster of which ones you might want to start with first. If we've not given you enough information then just hang out a few episodes. We're going to start breaking down classes individually. The first one up will be fighter in a few weeks, so we're going to break down a fighter and give you all the details about learning to play a fighter, just because I think that's the easiest class to start with if you're going to simply pick the easiest one out of every class. Yeah, I, I have
1: to agree. It doesn't get much more straightforward than a fighter. Mm-hmm. I'll swing my
0: sword at you. Now, subclasses <laughs> can make that complicated, but in general, yeah, swing my sword at you. So... <laughs> <laughs> But next week, because we're getting ahead of ourselves, next week we'll be talking about how to become a DM with a wonderful friend of ours, Andrew, who has run three total sessions so far as a DM,
1: eh? And Yeah, and absolutely killing it, but I think he'll have some good insight on exactly what we've been trying to teach everyone here at Crypt of Knowledge is what it's like to start from scratch with no prior knowledge.
0: Yeah, we're going to take a look at all the things that you get a group together and everybody's like, yeah, let's play. And then no one has ever DM'd before. We'll talk about what you can do. Get Andrew's input next time on the Crypt of Knowledge. Night, everyone.